This is going to be a short one. <clears throat> right? That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. Uh, you know how that goes. You know how that goes. Joshua chapter number 7. Uh, we're going to try to be brief, but, but that's, that's the way. And seriously, really, it's supposed to be. Uh, but either way, here's, here's the question. Joshua chapter number 7, while you turn him. How many of you have ever failed before? All right, how many of you have ever been like your preacher and you royally failed? That's the only kind I know how to do, amen? Uh, here's the thing, here's the thing. Life, life can deliver some disastrous moments. And not always, not always uh, things that we do on our own, but most of the time, most of the time, I, I would have to put the percentages in the 90s, uh, uh, in the high 90s, most of it, we did it ourselves. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We've got two choices. We've got two choices. We either sulk in our failure or we learn from our failure. And in your, in your title, in your title, uh, the title is called Defeat Doesn't Have to Be Devastating. Defeat Doesn't Have to Be Devastating. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not preaching to a crowd that doesn't understand defeat, but sometimes we live in that defeat and we stay in that defeat. And if we don't rise from the defeat, it will be devastating. Amen. Amen. How many of y'all are glad we have a second chance God and a third chance God? All right. So that, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. How to rise from the ashes, if you will, how to, how to rise from defeat. And not only that, not only that. Not only how to get up, but how to, how to stay up and not let that happen again. That's the key. That is the key. Learn from your mistakes. If you don't learn from your mistakes, guess what you're going to do? You're going to do it again. Now, and when, when we use that, we need to understand, if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough. Now, that was attributed to John Wayne, but my father said that to me on a regular basis growing up. Amen? So, let's look at this in Joshua chapter number 7. Everybody, everybody where we need to be? Amen. Joshua chapter number 7. It says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And, the, and they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. That sounds logical. Don't send everybody. There ain't that many people up there. Just send a few to handle the deal. So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai, and the men of Ai smote them. It, it sounds funny me calling it Ai because my whole life I, was, I heard preachers call it Ai, but when, when I, I have the Bible now read to me, and, it, and it's always Ai. That's the way it's, it's, it's defined. And the men of Ai smote them about 30 and 6 men. For they chased them from before the gate, even to Shebarim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore, the hearts of the people melted and became as water, 
And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord, even or until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Is that why you brought us out here? Would to God we'd been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, what did he say? What did he say? Say it with feeling. Get the, boy, get up. That's what, that's what that means. That's what that means. Get up. What are you doing laying on your face? You're the general. You're supposed to be the man. Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore, therefore, in other words, that's why this happened. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except ye destroy the accursed thing from among you. Last verse here, verse 13. Up, say it. Sanctify the people. And say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee. O Israel, thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye have taken away the accursed thing from among you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to be here. Lord, we've got a, we've got a group of people here tonight that came. Uh, probably got a thousand things on their list to do for the weekend and the holiday. But they came to hear from you. And I pray that they'll hear from you tonight. I pray that they'll leave encouraged and they'll leave edified and they'll leave educated. Uh, Lord, we all fail, but we don't have to stay in the failure. I pray that you'll help us learn something from our failures that will keep us from failing again. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Before we get in our notes, let me let me kind of let me kind of bring you up to speed. Uh, we are in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is about the conquest of Canaan. Joshua, you know, Moses led him up to uh, uh, up to, to Israel. He didn't get to go into Israel. Uh, he got to see Israel, but he didn't get to go into the promised land. And and so now Joshua is the general. Joshua is the one in charge. He is the man. And God has given him instructions on what to do and how to go into the land of Israel, the promised land, conquer the land of Israel, and then divide the land for the people. That was his assignment. That was his responsibility, to go in, conquer, divide it, and give all the tribes their inheritance out of Israel. If that makes sense, say amen. Now, they have already crossed the, the, the Jordan River, and they have gone into and conquered Jericho. They conquered Jericho. Jericho was a 
a, uh, just an incredible citadel. It was a, it was a stronghold, if you will, of the, the promised land. Probably, probably the most difficult, probably the hardest battle to face. This was going to be a, 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 a situation that it, it had to be a God thing. And by the way, it was a God thing. When the nation of Israel uh, sent tri- uh, spies the first time, they said, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes, right? We look like grasshoppers. This is, there's no way we can do this. And because of their unbelief, they had to leave early, and, and, and they spent 40 years in the wilderness, and they died out in the land. And so now this is their second time around, and they've gone in, and they did exactly what God told them to do. Very unorthodox, very unorthodox uh, 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 victory in the battle. Uh, they didn't have to, they didn't bring out uh, uh, things against the walls. He said, march around uh, seven times, seven days, then march seven times on the seventh day, blow the trumpet, and y'all know what happened. The walls came. Uh, some of y'all got it. You, you forgot the song. They didn't just come down, they came tumbling down. Amen. And the walls came. I'm sorry. So here we have this. Here we have this great victory. I mean, this is an incredible victory. Uh, they didn't have to raise a spear. They blew the trumpet. The walls came down, went in, and destroyed everything. Now, there was some stipulations, though. There was some stipulations. This is the first. This is the first city. Uh, this is this is the first victory, if you will, that God was going to give them. And God wanted them to see it was going to be all God. But He said, "Now I want you to understand this. When you go in there." Everything is mine. Everything is mine. In other words, the spoils of the city is mine. And what do we learn from that? That Jericho, Jericho was the tithe. Y'all with me? Jericho was the tithe of the promised land. He said, I'm going to give you everything, but you're going to give me what comes. You with me? So, Everything in Jericho, the spoils of Jericho, the gold in Jericho, the silver in Jericho, all the possessions in Jericho, they were a tithe unto the Lord. He said, I want you to bring them into my treasury. That belongs to me. I'm giving you everything else, but the first belongs to me. If this makes sense, say amen. And so uh, they go in the victory, and we know, make a long story short, uh, there's a man by the name of Achan that went into one of the, went into one of the tents and he saw he saw some possessions. He saw some wealth. He saw something that, 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 that glittered in his eye. And he said, I just got to have this. I know God said that this don't belong to me. And I know God said I'm supposed to give this into the treasury. Uh, but I got to have it. And so he took it and he hid it in his tents. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And so uh, all the dust settled. All the dust settled. Everything was said and done. And, uh, and he hid it from everybody. I don't believe he hid it from his family, and I don't want to go too much into this because that's a whole other sermon, uh, because God punished his whole family. I believe his whole family was involved and understood and knew what had happened, and, and so they were, uh, 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 they were, they were guilty also. But, but anyway, Joshua didn't know nothing about it. The people didn't know nothing about it. Man, they're celebrating the victory. woo everything's great. Everything's wonderful. This is great. And now it's time to go on to the next conquest. Are y'all with me? This is where we're at. Okay? So now they go on to the next conquest. They go on to the next conquest, and and the next one is the city of Ai. The city of Ai is just a rinky-dink little place. Ain't nothing to it. I mean, compared 
compared to the, uh, the, the, the victory that they just accomplished in Jericho, man, there ain't nothing to this. We got this. So, so Joshua sends some people up there. And as we just read, they were defeated. And this don't make a whole lot of sense. This does not make sense. This is not, this is not logical. How in the world can we go up against a place like Jericho and win the battle and don't even have to break a sweat to make it happen? And now we come against this little old rinky-dink city and we have to run with our tail tucked between our legs. And now Joshua comes before, before God. So they failed royally. How many of y'all can feel what they feel right now? All right, let's look in your notes. Let's look in your notes. Let's talk about this. Failure. Failure in life, failure in ministry, failure in marriage, failure with your kids, failure with your business, wherever it is, there's, we're going to deal with this sooner or later in life. August the 12th, 1849, F.W. Robertson, he said, life like war is a series of what? Mistakes. Mistakes. And he is not the best Christian nor the best general who makes the fewest false steps. Poor mediocrity may secure that. In other words, if you don't want to fail, don't do nothing. And usually the people sitting on the sidelines that's, that's, that's critiquing everybody in the game, they're sitting on the sidelines doing nothing. Hello. He said, now, if you don't want to mess up and you don't want to have to deal with failure, then don't try nothing. But if you're going to try something, if you're going to attempt something for God, you're going to have to deal with failure sometime in life. If that makes sense, say Amen. He said, but he is the best who wins the most splendid victories by the what? Retrieval of mistakes. Say that with me. By the retrieval of mistakes. He says, forget mistakes. Forget mistakes. Organize victories out of your mistakes. And what he's saying here is learn from your mistakes. He said, you need to learn from them and then forget them. But you know what we do? Let me tell you what we do. We, uh, we can't remember our victories, but we can't forget our mistakes. We can't remember the times that we stood over Jericho with our flag raised high in victory and glory and, 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 and what God has done for us and the blessings of God on us. Man, we can't hardly remember that in the heat of battle. We can't remember that. But I tell you what, we can't forget when we messed up. Are y'all with me? Now watch, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Look in the blue. And y'all, y'all, are, y'all, are, y'all are blessed tonight because I forgot to make it black and white. So y'all got the color version tonight, amen? All right? Look in the blue. Look in the blue. This is why we can't forget it. This is why we can't forget those mistakes and those failures and those things that haunt us. Look what it says. Failures take on a life of their own because the brain remembers incomplete tasks or failures longer than any success or completed activity. It's technically referred to as the Zikernik effect. When a project or a thought is completed, the brain places it in a special memory. The brain is no longer, it, the, no, the brain no longer gives the project priority or active working status and bits and pieces of the achieved situation begin to decay. 
But failures have no what? They have no closure. The brain continues to spin the memory, trying to come up with ways to fix the mess and move it from active to inactive status. How many of y'all can, how many of y'all can say amen right there? Constantly trying to figure it out. Constantly trying to figure out what went wrong. Constantly trying to, constantly trying to figure out, man, how do, how do I get out of this mess? How do, I, how do I figure this out? Even if it's long past, years past, man, these things are still in our minds. Still, they're still going over and over in our head. What do we do? <clears throat> how do we deal with this? Now, here's what I want to do tonight. I, I don't want to go at this thing because most, most of the preaching I've, I've heard and most of the teaching I've heard out of this chapter deals with Achan. Achan was the one with the sin. He was the one uh, uh, with the disobedience, and he basically took the tithe and brought a curse on the nation of Israel, uh, and it was, that was the reason that these people died. But I, I don't want to go at that. I, I don't want to go that route. I don't want to go that direction. I want to do it just a little bit different. How many of y'all have ever heard the phrase, everything rises and falls on leadership? How many of y'all have heard that? Here's what I want to do. I don't want to, I don't want to look at, and I don't want the main character of our study tonight to be Achan. All right? I want our main character in our study to be Joshua. I want it to be Joshua. Let's talk about Joshua's failure. And, and, and this is what I want to say about that. I don't believe, I don't believe that the defeat in I happened because of Achan. I believe it contributed to it, but I don't believe that's why it happened. I believe that even though, I believe even though that there was sin in the camp, even though Achan, he, 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 uh, uh, he took of the accursed thing and, and that uh, had brought a curse on the, the people of Israel, I don't believe that's what caused a defeat. And, th- and this is why I'm going to, this is, and I want to, I want to prove my point tonight. So if y'all going to follow along with me, say amen. amen. All right. Now. Now, here's, here's what I want to look. I want you to see, number one, the anatomy of defeat. Write that down. The anatomy of defeat. What, what, what caused this defeat? What, what was the contributing factor? What was, what was taking place that, 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 that allowed this defeat to happen? How many of y'all believe that they were God's people? All right, come on. How many of y'all believe that Israel was God's people? Okay. How many of y'all know that God promised them the promised land? How many of y'all remember that in Joshua chapter number one, that God promised Joshua, wherever your foot lands, I have given it unto you. No man will be able to stand before you. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Are y'all with me? Now, they have that. Now, now y'all know they're coming off just one chapter before. They're coming off the greatest victory they've had since they came out of Egypt. How many of y'all know that? Say amen. So what happened? Why are we where we are? Number one, the anatomy of defeat. I want you to write this down. First thing that took place. Now, we're talking about Joshua. We're talking about Joshua, okay? We're just, we're just, we're just going to, I don't want to use the word take for granted. We're just going to say, hey, we're just going to give it that there's sin in the camp. Aiken's messed up. There's a problem. But here's where we're at. Here's Joshua, okay? What did he do wrong? Where did he go wrong to allow this to happen? Number one. The anatomy of defeat. A, he acted without asking. Say that with me. He. Say it again. 
All right, now, I want, you to, I want you to look down in your notes. I want you to look down in your notes to that underlying set of verses. Do y'all see that? Where it says Joshua 1, 1, Joshua 3, 7, Joshua 4, 1, 8, and 10, 15, Joshua 5, 2, 9, 13 through 15, Joshua 6, 1. How many of y'all see that? Raise your hand. Everybody see that? Every single one of those verses, every single one of those verses, leads up to this chapter that we're in. If you will go back, we won't forsake a time because we're going to get out early. Say amen. Every single one, if you go home and look them up in your, for your homework, you will find out that every single one of these verses is God telling Joshua what to do and Joshua turning around and doing it. In other words, Joshua said this, or excuse me, God says, this is what I want you to do. And this is how I want you to do it. This is what I want you to do. And this is how I want you to do it. I mean, all from crossing the Jordan River and how to cross it, all from getting the people ready, all from marching around Jericho, what to do in Jericho, how to treat Jericho, how to get. And guess what? Guess what? If we go back and look at all of these verses, do you know what we will find? That every time. Every time, without fail, when he did exactly what God told him to do, it worked. It worked. Are y'all with me? Let me ask you a question. I I would go back to the chapter, but you can go back later. Let me ask you a question. We just read it. We just read it. Can y'all find anywhere in chapter number 7, before they went into the city of Ai to fight the city of Ai, can you find anywhere where Joshua inquired of the Lord about what to do? What did he do? He took it upon himself and he acted without... You may tell you a surefire method of failure... Don't ask God first. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I know it because I'm, 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 I'm psychic and y'all didn't know it. Some of y'all are thinking, well, my mode of operation is to just go ahead and do it and ask forgiveness later. Just, just uh, instead of asking permission, ask for forgiveness. Well, I wonder what them 36 families thought about that. Of their husbands and their fathers that died. I don't know about you. I know that's kind of a funny little thing. You know, it's, it's, it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. But I tell you what, sometimes what you have to ask forgiveness for costs way too much. Because sometimes the price of our failures is, is huge. Do I have a witness? What's the point, preacher? The point is this. Don't do nothing without asking. Let me tell you what that is. Let me tell you what that is. One or two things. One or two things. When we act without asking, one or two things is going on. Number one, we're saying, I don't need you, God. I'm smart enough or I got this, 
which is pride. It's pride. Or I know what he's going to say if I ask him. And that is blatant rebellion. And the Bible calls rebellion as a sin of witchcraft. It's like the people that come to me and say, Preacher, do you think it's all right to do? I don't even let them finish. I say, no. <laughs> say, why do you do that? Because you already know it's wrong or you wouldn't be asking me. You just want me to give permission for your stupidity. How do I know that? Because the same Holy Ghost is in me, he's in you too. And he's already told. It's like this. It's like, how many of y'all got kids? How many of y'all got teenagers? How many of y'all have ever told one one thing and they went straight to the other and asked somebody else? And you are an innocent person in this matter. You had no idea what mama said. Until, so I done learn, son. I done learn. It didn't take me long to learn. It didn't take long, not long at all for me to get uh, uh, my ears peeled off from the other side of my marriage that, that I need to say, what'd your mama say about it? <laughs> I say that about everything now. <laughs> Amen. That's what we're doing. We already know what God's going to say. Matter of fact, it's not what God's going to say. It's what he's already said. And we're not going to pray about this decision. We're not going to pray about this person that we're, we're, we want to date or that we want to marry or we won't, we won't ask God about this job that we want to take or, or this decision that we want to make because we already know what he's going to say. And I'm telling you, the first step to great failure in your life is to act without asking. Now, I don't believe, I don't believe the arrogant rebellion was Joshua's problem. I believe that he just thought, I got this. This ain't that big a deal. Now, that's a dangerous place to be. Now, come on, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Sometimes there's things in life we think we got it. I don't really need to pray about this. This ain't that big a deal. This ain't that big a problem. I think, I think we just need to tell him about everything. Ask. He, he acted without asking. Now watch. Now watch. Not only did he act without asking. And by the way, let me say this. You say, why do you blame Joshua and not Achan? What do you think would have happened if before they went into the city of Ai, Joshua would have said, now, Lord, you gave us this victory in Jericho. Now, we got another one coming up. What do you think about this one? What do you think God would have said? Before you do, you better deal with Achan. Because right now you got sin in the camp. You see where I'm going with this? See, that's why I believe Joshua has more responsibility in this deal than Achan did. Because he acted without number two. This is a this is a big and this is a big and look what it says in verse three. Verse three. 
All right, Joshua sent men. That's where he's acting without asking. He sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth Aven, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. Do you see anywhere where he asked God's advice about the matter? None. All right, verse 3. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but... Few. Hmm. Hmm. Now let's go. Let's uh. Let me find it. I forgot to write it down. Oh, verse one. Eight. Look at verse one. Now let me go back. Y'all, y'all flip over to chapter eight, verse one, and I'm gonna go back and read that again. So we remind us, okay? This is what. His advisors told him, okay? This is what his counselors told him. They said, they said, this is what man says. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, let not all the people go up. Let not all the people go up. Now God says, chapter 8, verse 1. Y'all there? What's the first four words? Say it again. Say it again. Unto Joshua, fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Then what? The consultant said, don't take everybody. But the Lord said, say, what's the second thing? Well, first he acted, he acted without asking. Second thing, he accepted the wrong advice. He accepted the wrong advice. How many of y'all have figured out that everybody's got a great plan for your life? How many of y'all figured out they'll tell you without you even asking for it? Now, here's the thing. Everybody means well. They really do. Everybody wants to tell you what they think. Everybody wants to tell you what their opinion is. Everybody wants to tell you, well, how I feel. Let me tell you how I feel about this. Well, I don't really care how you feel about this because your feelings are like the weather. (laughs) Your opinions can change. Your feelings can change. The other day, the other day, somebody somebody tagged me in a question. Somebody tagged me in a question on Facebook about, what, what, did, what did I think about a question uh, that their family member had? And it was a, it was a biblical question or whatever. And uh, I didn't see it at first. And, and, and so there was like, I don't know, 15 or 20 comments on it before I ever saw it. And every comment was, I think this, I feel that, this is what I think about the matter. And I mean, just comment after comment after comment after comment. I took the question, I took the question, I looked up the verse that answered the question, and I just posted the verse. I didn't post an opinion. I didn't post how I felt about it. I didn't post what I thought. I just put the address. I didn't even, I didn't even put the verse. I just put the address so they'd have to look it up. <clears throat> Not just the person asking the question, everybody else giving their opinion. And this is what I thought. This is what I thought. I don't know why I thought this. I should have known better. 
But this is what I thought. That's the end of the story. That's all that needs to be done. We just need the Bible on this situation. Am I right, Bridget? I, I just, just give them the Bible. That's all they need is the Bible. Because the Bible is the final authority. But guess what? After my verse, 27 more opinions. I'm pulling my hair out. I'm thinking, what's wrong with you people? It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you've been through or what your experience is. It doesn't matter when it comes to making decisions. You better ask God what he says. You better search the book. You better see what the scriptures say. Because I'm telling you, if you take advice that is not biblical, if you take advice that is not scriptural, you are headed for a major defeat in your life. And you can't go wrong with the Bible. Amen. I don't have time, but I need to tell you a story. Me and Tammy was in Walmart one day. And yeah, it always starts at Walmart. And... and a lady came up to me, she was just beaming, and, and uh, she says, I found him, I found him. And my first, I want to ask, where did you find him? But she was beaming, and I think we're going to get married, this is the one. And I asked one question. I asked one question. I said, is he saved? That's all I asked. I didn't say what he looked like. I didn't say, how does he treat you? I didn't say, does he have a job? Because then would have been after this one. I said, is he saved? Because I don't care how much money he has. I don't care how good looking he is. I, I, I don't care what kind of car he drives. And I don't care what kind of house he has. If he's not saved. He's unqualified. You know why I say that? Not because it's what I think. It's because of what I got Bible for. And immediately, her countenance just dropped. It was almost like I could read her mind where she was saying, I knew he was going to ask that. <laughs> and, then, and then here's what happens. 50,000 excuses. But, but preacher, but I can, I can, I'm going to be, I, I, and I, I didn't say anything because I've done learned you don't argue and you don't give counsel without it being asked because they're not going to take it. Most of the time they don't take it when they do ask for it. But later on I found out that they did get married and it was a train wreck. Matter of fact, she's not even in church today. You know Why? Because everybody else said, congratulations, this is great, this is wonderful. He's a great person. Oh, heal this and heal that. But see, this Bible can cut deeper than what people can see. If you want to, you, you want to head for defeat, accept the wrong advice. Accept the wrong advice. He acted without asking. He accepted the wrong advice. Look at verse number four. Verse number four. Let's go back to chapter seven. 
So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men. They went up thither of the people about 3,000 men. Look in verse 12. Look in verse 12. Hurry, 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 hurry. If we don't get out of here early, it's y'all's fault. Y'all ain't looking fast enough. <laughs> verse 12. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs uh, before their enemies because they were accursed. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Neither will I, what? Here's what they did. They acted without asking, they accepted the wrong advice, and they assumed, they assumed a willing attendance. In other words, they just assumed that God was with them. We got this. Y'all know, y'all know the word assume. She knows it. How many of y'all have ever assumed something in your life and it bit you? Joshua said, hey, just like he was over here, he's with us now. What what do we need to learn from that? You better check up every day. Every day. Am I in the will of God? What does he say in in the pattern of prayer? When he said, teach us to pray. You remember when the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray? He said, pray in this manner. And didn't he say in that, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors? Didn't he say that? You know what he's saying? That there needs to be a daily, a daily washing, a daily cleansing. We should be like David. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Why? I don't want to just assume I've got the favor of God on me. I don't want to just assume that God's presence is with me. I need to see, Lord, have I done anything to grieve you? Have I done anything to be disobedient, to displease you? Because I don't know about y'all, but the race I'm running and the life I'm living, I need God's power in my life. And he just assumed everything is all right. Let's go. He acted without asking. He accepted the wrong advice. And he assumed a willing attendance. He just assumed God would be with him. Now listen. Look at number two real quick. I want you to see the effects from defeat. What will happen in our life when we're defeated? Y'all with me? Verse seven. You see we're just going verse by verse. Verse seven. After the defeat. Watch Joshua's response. Now, what I say, everything rises and falls on leadership. Who's responsible? Joshua, right? Now, watch. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou? Y'all see that? Say it with me. Wherefore hast thou at all brought the people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? You know what he's saying? Why did you do this? First thing, write this down quickly. We're talking, about, we're talking about the effects of defeat. First, there's a disillusioned accusation. 
I looked up the word disillusion. It means to find out somebody's not as good as you thought they was. To find out someone's not as good as you thought they were. In other words, they're looking at God like he's not what they thought he was. God, what'd you do this to us for? Why did you bring us here? Why did, did, why did you allow this defeat in our life? Who's responsible? Joshua. But he's blaming I cannot tell you how many times over and over and over again I've seen people have train wrecks in their life and the first person they blame is God. They're sleeping together out of wedlock and get pregnant. God, why'd you do this to me? That wasn't him. Make terrible decisions. Terrible decisions and blame God for the outcome of their decisions. God has given us freedom of choice. He's given us freedom to make decisions. But listen, we're not, we're not immune to the consequences of the decisions that we make. But the first thing that happened, God, why'd you do this? It is amazing it is amazing at the things that God gets blamed for that God had nothing to do with. Y'all with me? That's all I need to say about that. We all know. And let me say this. We've all done it. Whether we come out and said, God, why'd you do this? Or we just had anger or bitterness in our heart against God because something happened. Same thing. Same thing. B. There's a disillusioned accusation. He blamed God in verse 7. Now watch what he says in verse 8. Oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns their backs before their enemies? Now there's a disregarded accountability. He went from blaming God to blaming the Israelites. It was them people. I'm leading, but they're turning their back. You know what will happen? When we experience failure in our life, first thing we do is blame God. And then we blame everybody else. Do you let me tell you, I believe that is the greatest, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, what's like a disease that runs rampant? Plague, plague, plague. That's a good word. That is the greatest plague on society in America is the failure to take responsibility for your own failure. It's always somebody else's fault. It's never my fault. It's never me. It was my parents. It was my spouse. It was my kids. It was my boss. It was the people I work with. It, it's never my decision. It's never my foolishness. It's never my poor decision. He's, he's gone from blaming God to blaming everybody else. Now, this is, this is, this is the worst part about the deal. They're, they're, all of them are pretty bad. But look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. In verse 7, he blames God. In verse 8, he blames everybody else. Now remember, let's say it again. Everything rises and on. Okay, 
Now, let me prove it. Let me prove it. If Joshua would have asked before they went into I, how many of y'all believe God would have told him there was a problem? How many of y'all know? Well, I know this because in the chapter, God told him how to fix it, right? So who's really, who's really responsible for this? Joshua. It wasn't God and it wasn't the people. That, they were following Joshua. They were just doing what they were told, right? Now watch what defeat will do to you. This will, make, this will bring it home. This will bring where we can apply it. <clears throat> Verse 9. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it, and they shall environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. And what will thou do unto thy great name? See, there's a discouraging anticipation. You know what he's saying? It's always going to be like this. What does failure have a tendency to do? To make you think you'll never get up again? To make you think that you'll never survive it? To make you think you'll always fail? Failure has a way, am I right? Does Does failure not take completely strip you of your confidence? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you just had a great victory in Jericho. It doesn't matter that God did a miracle beyond miracles, the most incredible thing in the world, and you got to witness it with your own eyeballs. That doesn't matter. All you can see is my failure. I'll never get up again. I'll never make it again. It's going to be like they're going to hear about this. It's over with now. It doesn't matter what God did in Egypt. It doesn't matter how God provided in the wilderness. It doesn't matter how he gave water out of a rock or or manna from heaven. It doesn't matter that the walls of Jericho just fell all on their own. It's over. It's over. You know what that is? That's the Zickernick effect. Now we got Bible for it. And I'm not really sure that's how you say that word, but it sounds good. Amen. If you can say it better, bless your heart. Amen. It's all, come on. Am I I preaching anybody tonight? You don't have a problem. Listen, your problem is not the victories in your life. The problem is getting over the failures. He said, it's always going to be like this. We ain't never going to make it. They're going to hear about this. Mm. Now, go back up in your notes. Go back up in your notes. We got plenty of time. We're going to get out 30 seconds early. I got it. I'm watching the clock. All right. Look in the middle. Look in the middle where it says Henry Ford. Y'all see that? I know some of you Chevrolet people out there, but let's just, let's just focus, all right? And you Dodge people, Mark, you old Dodge person. Got some over here, Chrysler, amen, Dodge. All right. Henry Ford would have agreed with Robertson. What did Robertson say? He said, forget your mistakes and organize victory out of mistakes. Now watch what he said. Because Ford defined a mistake as an what? Whoa. Say it again. Now let's be honest. Let's be honest. Come on. It's just us. It's just us. It's just, it, literally, it's just us. Amen. Everybody else is at the lake tonight. Amen. Think about this. 
Do we ever really look at our failure as an opportunity? No. I don't want to think about my failure. Now, I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying dwell in it. But did you look at it as, okay, let me see what I can do differently. Look what he says. Look what, look what Henry Ford says. This is great. A mistake is an opportunity, watch this, to begin again what? Come on. Failure is an opportunity to start over, if you will, more intelligently. This is, this is where you go into that, this is where you go into that saying, I ain't going to do that again. The problem is when we go and do that again. Right? I had, I had, I can't even remember who it was. Girls, do y'all remember which, which one it was? Was it Kenzie that, that went out and touched the hot wire with the baby goats? Yeah, it was Kenzie. I thought it was. I was, I was helping somebody paint a house one time and, and there was like a little pasture right beside it. And it had a it had a hot wire, and the hot wire was only like this this high off the ground because it had a little pygmy goats, them little miniature goats, and they had some baby goats out there. And it, and that wire was hot. And and the girls that oh they you know how little little youngins are with little pygmy baby goats. I mean them things is adorable, amen. And so there I said, now look, don't go near that fence. That wire's hot out there. Don't go near it. Okay, daddy. Okay, daddy. Okay, 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 okay. So I'm in here, I'm rolling the wall, just having a big time, just having a big time. And, wow! I didn't even slow up. I didn't stop. You know why? Because I knew she ain't going to do that again. Kenzie, did you do it again? Nope. <laughs> you know what I think sometimes? You know what I think what determines whether we learn from our mistakes is the level of pain of our mistake. Let's do this, guys. Let's learn from them so that we don't have to go through that pain again. Amen. Three things, real quick. Real quick. How many of y'all, use your imagination for just a second. How many of y'all can see, how many of y'all can see Joshua in the mully grubs right here, pouting and his, his lip, bottom lip, dragging the ground? Whining, blaming, blaming God, blaming everybody else. He, he's, listen, life is over. Verses 7, 8, and 9. Watch, watch the Lord. And the Lord said unto Joshua, help me. Okay. All right. Let's try that again. And the Lord said unto Joshua, boy, get up. Get up. What are you doing? What are you doing? Write this. Hey, what's the antidote for defeat? What's the antidote for defeat? A. You got to get up. 
if you're allowed to say this, sometimes you need to shut up so you can get up. Because I found this out, as long as your jaws are working, your ears are not. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But you got to get up. You got to get up. I put beside that, I put beside that, decide. If you want to put an extra word there, decide. How many of y'all know Peter had to get up? John the Baptist had to get up. He was, he was doubting. He was saying, are you sure the one we've been looking for? Peter, he denied the Lord three times, went out and wept bitterly, Right? Went out and wept bitterly. Everybody wrote him off, but God said, get up, son. I'm not through with you yet. Elijah, Elijah, he ran from Jezebel and he was ready to give up. He said, I'm not as good as my father's got suicidal and said, I just want to quit. I ain't no good no more. And God said, get up. What are you doing here? You ain't got no business here. Get up. Say amen. Sometimes you just, it's like, my, it's like my aunt. When I was preaching my grandmother's funeral, man, I got to getting in the, in the, in the dry heat. I was crying. I couldn't stop crying. I was just young. I think 17 years old or 18 years old when I did my grandmother's funeral. And, 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 and I'm just sitting there just crying, squalling. My aunt, she's a commercial fisherman in Okeechobee Lake, cat fisherman, and she's bad to the bone. She's like six foot three, and, and, and she can drive a boat better than any man alive, and she'll whoop the snot out of you. Say amen. She's on that front row right there, and I'm sitting here, and she said, buck up, boy. You know what I did? I sure did. It dried me right up. You know what I think sometimes? I think we need a good preacher or a good friend or somebody that cares enough about you when you're down in the mully grubs and you're whining and complaining about your life and your situation and your failures and your issues. You just need somebody to get in your face and say, get up. Life is not over. Failure is not final. It doesn't have to be devastating. Hey, let's learn from our mistake. This is an opportunity to start over more intelligently. Dry it up. Amen? Try it up. Oh, I've heard that. My dad would take us out of church and we were misbehaving in church and beat the tar out of you and tell you, dry it up or I'm going to give you something to cry about. I thought, what was the last 10 minutes about? I'm sorry. I'm still bitter about that. Amen? Dry it up. <clears throat> All right, come on, people. Come on, let's get with it. All right, verse 10, get up. Say it with me. That means what? Decide. Decide I ain't staying down no more. I'm not living like this no more. I'm not staying in this situation no more. I'm tired of this. I'm telling you, sometimes you just got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Get up. I'm not going to let my defeat define my life. It's not who I am. One moment in time is not going to define my life. Amen. Listen, B, we got to get up. B, we got to gather up. Gather up. Verse 11 and 12. He got the information he needed. What happened? God told him why he failed. God told him why he failed. Everybody in this room, everybody in this room, you raised your hand earlier that we've... we've Got failures, right? Now, how many of y'all know there's a reason for all of them? 
Every one of them. And do you know that in all of our failures, we can go to that book and find out why? And there's a reason in that book for every one of the failures that we experienced. So what's the first thing to do? You failed in life. You have a major disaster in life. You got a train wreck. What in the world happened to me? What didn't the, help me, Lord? Show me what. That's right. It's check dog. Amen. Now, how many of y'all believe that God will show you? That's exactly what happens. Look in verse 11 and 12. God said, this is what happened. This is why it happened. Right? Now, Israel has sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they've even taken the accursed thing and have stolen and dissembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemy. What's he doing? What's he doing? He's telling why he failed. He's telling why he failed. They could not stand before their enemies. He said, you're up here. You're up here in verse number eight, blaming them. But they had no choice in the matter. They could not stand before their enemies because there was a curse in the camp. He said, neither will I be with you anymore. Watch this, watch this. Except ye destroy the accursed from among you. Do you realize what just happened? He told him what the problem was. And he told him how to. So what do we got to do when we fail? We got to get up. And then we got to, come on, get the information, find out from God. Why'd I fail? What do I do about it? Say it with me. Why'd I fail? What do I do about it? Say it with me. Church, say amen. All right. A, we got to get up. B, we got to C, we got to giddy up. Y'all knew that was coming. If y'all don't have a horse, I'm going to have to explain that. <laughs> what does that mean? Move. Let's get it. Listen, don't let failure stop you. Get back up. Get the dust off of you. Find out why it happened. And get back in the battle. Don't sit around and sulk about it. Because nobody wants to hear it anyway. How many of y'all figured out nobody, nobody wants to hear your whining? What's it going to accomplish? I've learned this. My whining ain't going to accomplish nothing. Just tell me what I did wrong and how do I fix it. Let's go. Guess what, guys? Look at me, everybody. I know we done run out of time. It's overtime. Two thirty seconds overtime. Woo! Look, everybody. Look at me. 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 Look at me, everybody. 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 Look. Look. Don't stay there. Whatever you do. Don't. Get up. Get up. Quit blaming everybody. Quit blaming everything. And just get back in the fight. We don't have time to do this, but if you'll continue reading, they won. They listened to God. God told them exactly what they what to do. And guess what? They won. 
there's a guaranteed victory. And if you keep on going, you keep on going through the book of Joshua, you know what you'll find? This is the bad part. This is the bad part. He did it again. Joshua acted again without asking. But eventually he figured it out. This is dumb. And every time he sought the Lord first and got counsel from the Lord, he won. Every time. Every time. You know what that tells me? I don't know if y'all understand what kind of an awesome outline y'all got tonight. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, this is this is Sunday morning material that y'all got. I think God blessed you especially because you came out on a holiday. <laughs> but as good as this outline is, and as much as we learn from it tonight. We, we still got potential to, to blow it. It may take us, but you let me tell you what's going to happen at your next failure. You're going to remember tonight. And listen, you don't have to fail again. You, you don't. But if you do, if you do, get up. And I hope you leave with this in, in your mind, in your understanding. You can. You can get up. Your failure does not define you, watch this, unless you let it. And all God's people say it. Let's stand. Let's stand. Three minutes. Well, I, I just knew. I just, man, it's a one-pager. Got one page. Anyway, listen, I don't need no missing fingers. I don't need any, any eye injuries. Be careful tomorrow. Please be careful tomorrow. How many of y'all have, have seen that video of that gentleman in that wheelchair saying, Back up, Terry! Back up! Anybody seen that? I almost showed it on the big screen tonight. Somehow or another, we were having morning devotions, and that came up, and the whole staff watched that, and it ministered to me today. <laughs> Funniest thing you ever see. But all joking aside, everybody be careful. Enjoy yourself. Have a big time. Here's, here's what you do. Go out and, and enjoy, enjoy the blessings of the country God's given us. Amen. And all God's people see it. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for the crowd tonight and all their faithfulness. Lord, I pray that you'll bless them, help them have the greatest weekend ever. And God will thank you for it.